0: Welcome to the Business of Property Podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Stuart runs a portfolio of co living properties with a six figure turnover.
1: And Simon earns Vitalence and created Patma, a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights.
0: And Simon Glastonbury is an independent mortgage broker with 25 years' experience providing mortgages, bridging, and development finance for home buyers and investors. Don't forget you can join our email BOP tribe following the link in the show notes. And at the end of this episode, I just want to let you know that we will be covering a, a sort of quick fire round of current mortgage interest rates. So do, do make sure you listen to the end for that. But to start with, I just want to point out that we are recording on the 30th of June, just in case anything changes in the next few days before this gets released. And last week, the Bank of England increased the bank rate again, or the base rate, I should say, and, and that probably had some effect on the mortgage market and the mortgage world. So hence, Simon is here to tell us all about it. So what has been changing?
2: Well, hello again, guys. Good to catch up again. It's certainly um, interesting times again with, with interest rates, with the with the bank, the, the expected increase in Bank of England rates, where previously we were talking about, as soon as they've increased, the 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 banks had already worked out that they, they they factored in the increases. Fixed rates were pretty much staying where they were, and wasn't really a huge amount of change. That's changed. It's it's definitely different now. Banks are increasing fixed rates up, certainly in the in the residential world. Not so much in the in the buy to let, the limited company buy to let, HMO sort of sector, but residential world. They, they've gone up, and I would say significantly in, in some areas. So, yeah, a concern, and, but you can see that. You can see the banks are concerned about what's happening moving forward. With It sort of takes me on to rate withdrawals, which is a, a key factor in a broker's life at the
1: moment. It's certainly in my life. Sounds like you've been addicted to rates, and you're just now getting the withdrawal symptoms on that, but I'm guessing we're not, we're not talking about that. No, we're not. No, it's certainly not
2: something I am addicted to, Stuart. But uh, it it, fe- it feels like it on a day-to-day basis.
0: <laughs> I do feel, I guess, but every thirty seconds you have to click refresh to, to check the latest rate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it nearly is like that because <laughs> banks are
2: they're they withdrawing rates at at uh, rapidly. So I mean, they can they can give you literally an hour at the end of the day to get an application off and up. And submitted. And of course, the brokers of the world, when people, different brokers use different systems and of course some will pass it over to administrator and they will do them all at the end of the day or all sorts of different systems they have. So that throws that out completely. You have to get on these things.
1: Otherwise, client loses a rate and it's going up. So just to clarify that then, Simon, with rates being changed and withdrawn quite quickly and what you're talking about there in terms of getting the offer out, to your client i.e., the person that wants the mortgage if they get an offer and again i don't know you'll give us the technical term so whether that's an agreement in principle or an offer once they've got that does that the bank has to commit to that rate for a certain period of time yes yes in simple terms
2: what will happen as soon as the agreement in principle doesn't hold the rate that's because it, it it 99% of the lenders, you don't choose rate at decision in principle stage. Okay. Decision in principle, we'll go on in another time, but decision in principles are very different to what they were years ago. So they're very simple credit check, credit scores. That's it. You don't choose rate. It's when you submit the application at that stage, you lock in the rate until, it it's certainly lock in the rates until you get the offer. There are caveats there that if it takes too long it drags on there you know application changes you won't get that but let's just use a a very standard application if soon as the broker puts in and puts in the application the rate is locked in you will then to and that, that will then get you through underwriting valuation up until the mortgage offer letter that is then where you've got the you are certain that you have that so from a broker point of view what we want to do is we want to get the, certainly at the moment, we want to get the applications off as soon as possible. Whereas probably over the last sort of year or so, it hasn't been such a, uh, such a necessity. We're sort of holding off and said, well, okay, well, if you want to, if you want to wait, you want to think about it, which has been the case for, for years, but think about it. And people are, and, and they're still in that mindset. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll think about it. I'll go away. I'll speak to the husband. I'll speak to the wife. We'll, we'll discuss it and come back. Now it's a case of look get this in make a decision now because it Mm. might not be here tomorrow Mm. and the banks they haven't got any recourse it's it's you you either have it and if it's not there tomorrow tough and that's 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 the issue we're having at the moment
1: and are you seeing any pattern in terms of the rate withdrawals in terms of like as in rates under a certain threshold or is it just you know they're just pulling products to mitigate any loss of income for the bank basically correct yeah I, i mean they're probably not going to say that.
2: You would think, but I mean, it, it, common sense would say that if if a particular lender has a huge amount, you know, twice as much a business in one day on a particular product than they're used to, they're going to pull the rate because they know from the broker side we'll all be going for that rate, and then that then affects and it has a knock-on effect which you guys have have both experienced, which is service. Because if you're doing, I mean, we've mentioned this before, but one of the, you know, if they're usually taking in one of the big five, six banks, we usually take in roughly 1,000, 1,500 applications a day. If that goes up to two or 3,000 and they then have to process those, if if that's happening daily for a week, for example, all of a sudden their admin staff are, are swamped and the service then suffers. And then... The applicant then really unhappy because it's taking, it's not taking a week or two weeks to get the valuation out, it's taking three or four. It's not taking a couple of days to look at documentation, it's taking a week, two weeks. That's really frustrating. So they're on it, but equally on the flip side of that, I don't think the banks want to be caught short with with rate and income. Mm.
1: Is it wrong of me that I chuckle inside when you say the word service in relation to banks? <laughs>
2: I thought there was a glint in your eye as soon as you as soon as you said service. It's, I mean, it it amazes me mortgage you know mortgage lender service because one lender, pin literally you can send some documentation up to it, to, uh, and the underwriter will get back to you that day. And you go, that's brilliant, and then you can speak to them. But there's so you know lenders are still antiquated in some of the ways. You'll go up, you're never some. We can still not speak to the underwriter. You can still don't have any direct contract with the. With the case handler, so it's going through three different sets of hands before it gets there. It, infuriating! You would think you would look at yeah. It's, it's like any business, isn't it? You look at someone, what works, or oh, that works really well. Why don't we use? Why don't we use that system? There you go. I've solved the I've solved the whole mortgage lending admin
0: problem in one go. <laughs> so tied tied into the, the the service, but not not entirely service. Assuming you do actually manage to get applications in before banks withdraw their rates, how are you finding the, the sort of ongoing process at the moment? Are, are banks sort of accepting the mortgages once they've been, been submitted? Are they throwing up lots of roadblocks and, and, and actually ending up rejecting things? And, and that, how is that process looking these days? I would say it's, it, it, it's wide ranging, really is. From
2: I've had a couple of mortgage offers within 24 hours of submitting the application. So automated valuation, automated income verification, automated identification offer there. I mean, it has to be a relatively low loan to value, but you think that's brilliant, you know, that's, that service. I mean, surely, and again, we could all sit here and say, look, there's a property of 500,000, you only want to borrow 200 grand. The person's been at a job for 15 years, PAYE. Some of the lenders can cross reference these things anyway. Automated ID checks are very easy to come by these days. And you go, well, what, how many more checks do you really need to make on that? You know, they've got a huge amount of equity in the property. So it kind of makes sense. Then on the flip side of that, you have, you have some real issues coming in buy to let in suddenly the buy to let market. It seems to be lenders are asking a lot more questions. One particular issue questions we've, we've talked about off air with fire risk assessment reports and external wall reports, which are a real headache, a real headache because although they're, although it's a requirement, if you have a management, I mean, a lot of people don't know apart from paying into a management company, probably don't know or speak to them. Or an awful lot of people I experience don't speak to the management company. They're quite often directors who used to live at the, the, at the, in the block. So trying to get hold of them is really difficult. And then have they got the correct reports? Is that report acceptable to the lender? We're, we're being tripped up quite a bit with that at the moment. So, and that then just drags the, drags the whole process on and on because trying to get hold of people can be really difficult.
1: Obviously, we've got some direct experience with external wall surveys uh, and that kind of thing. But you mentioned, you know, rates. So we've talked about rate withdrawals. And something also you mentioned before we hit the record button, Simon G, was, was swap rates and what your, what your sort of understanding is of what's happening there at the moment. So I, but Before we lead into current mortgage rates, which is probably of most interest to people, is, is what, your, what your current understanding there of swap rates and how that's impacting mortgage world. Yeah, it's, uh, swap rates are well, swap rates are interesting.
2: Something most people, the the, the use of the term of phrase, the man on the street, would probably not know an awful lot about previously. Well, uh,
0: certainly since the last sort of few months, and they've it's a bit like everyone becoming a a statistician during the during the COVID period. And now 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 everyone knows about swap rates because interest rates are going up, and, and it's all about. Fixed rates and and if you need fixed rates then you you come to swap rates, So, so yeah. I, I think I think you're wrong. A man on the street definitely knows what swap rates are now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they fully understand them as well. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Well, I'm still I'm certainly not an expert, but we do we do get given the information all the time. And in the, in basic terms, it's how banks are, are borrowing money and what what they're paying for the money themselves. So if you're looking at swap rates from a year ago two years what rates was it at 2.8 at the moment is it 5.7 so that's literally june last year to june this year huge difference so huge difference now banks banks have to pass that on there isn't any way around that they don't have this magic pot of money that they can just lend out at a different rate to everybody else which is something some of the, some of my clients think i'm i'm, I'm able to do on occasions if they ask nicely, unfortunately, haven't got that just yet. But if you can see that, and it's uh, it's certainly something to now pay attention to, and it is good that these things are being made aware of. They are in the papers. They're being made in the in the media. They're all over the place because it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Swap rates, swap rates. So people are getting their head round them. And if you do get your head round them, you can then see where the rates are going, and then the projections of what they have over the over the coming years, and that then leads on. Likely to, well, what are people asking for at the moment? Quite simply, two-year rates. I haven't really looked at two-year rates very much, I would say, probably in the last seven or eight years. Pretty much everybody. There are, there's always going to be an occasion where someone's going to be a, a quick move or they want something without early redemption penalties or there's something quirky there. But generally speaking, for a residential or a buy-to-let purchase, remortgage, it was five-year rates. Because five-year rates are very good, and it, and it made sense. Now, it's the, the thinking in from the public, at least, is that rates are going to come down in a couple of years, and it will take the risk. The two-year rates at the moment, two-year fixed rates, are higher. I would say, on average, and this is just general generalization, about half percent higher than the five-year rates. So, it is a risk. Is what happens if they don't come down? What happens if they're exactly the same? You're going to lose out. So, and you, you sort of got to look, look and look at the professional press and say, right, what indications are that they are going to come down in two years? Not something I'm particularly convinced of personally. And this is just a personal sort of view. I think that will be where we are at the moment. I don't think there'll be an awful lot of difference in two years' time, three, four years' time. I think that. It, it, it may change and the, and the outlook for looking a little bit further on. So, and that's what I'm saying clients of mine. I mean, it, because people are now coming to me for the first time in a long time saying, I want to two year rate because rates are going to come down and, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to miss out. Well, just take some advice on it is that's what
1: I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, we, we have to say it, but anything that we discuss on this podcast should never constitute financial advice. It's just people... Ourselves sharing our opinions on what we see in the market, and it's interesting because Simon and I talked about this. Simon P and I talked about this recently, and you know, for the first time in the last couple of years, I've just been selecting five-year rates, and that is just because my well, my typical disposition was I don't mind looking at new things in in a short period of time. So I used to pick two years, but now I'm actually you know to, to use corporate terminology, looking at longer time horizons. So whether or not the rates go down in two years. Or not is is there, and, and I could make those savings if if I had a two year. But with a five year fix, what that means, particularly in a property business, is that I can just forecast things for longer. I can model out my my income, my expenses, and start building the revenue model based on that. And yes, some people would argue, well, hey, if the if the rates drops, then you then you're missing out on a lot of income. But for me, it's about continuity and predictability, which is which is tough in 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 property, as we know. But I guess as we're talking about swap rates, I mean that's, that's leading us neatly into the kind of the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is really talking about where we're at with mortgage products at the moment. And for some of those products, how they differ to when you were last on a few weeks back. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, it's
2: probably the, the number one factor when I'm talking to anybody at the moment. I think the good, the, the point out, let's have some good news.
0: <laughs> you know, I think there's, you know,
2: <laughs> there is some out there. I mean, certainly from a, from a buy-to-let or limited company side of things, limited company buy-to-lets, HMO side, rates haven't really changed an, a, an awful lot. haven't really changed pretty much last sort of four or five months. You're looking, I mean, you're always looking at 75% LTV as a maximum anyway. Two-year rates at just over 5%, 509 is the best on the market. And then five year rates, five, three, five. Okay. That's the lowest. I mean, again, as you said, Stuart, it's, you've got to meet criteria on these things, but you know, you're looking, I'm just looking at the lowest rates, what's out, out there on the
1: market from a, from a sort of a mainstream
2: lender point of view.
1: This is the only silver lining that I've been saying to people recently as an HMO borrower myself. Obviously for the last several years, most of my rates have always been, as you know, like yep. basically 5.29 from Reliance. Yeah. So absolutely. for me when people say how are the rates affecting you okay do you know what at the moment not a lot. No.
2: no, Absolutely which is which is crazy isn't it really because we were talking we been talking about this for a few years and they've always been around that sort of figure. And then you sort of you marry that up HMO slightly high it's still the it's still that cheapest rates 529. So it's still there that's been there for quite some time not really changing. So obviously the lenders are quite comfortable with that because they're, they're there, they're getting a, the, the, that sort of is The standard buy-to-let, a little bit different. Cheapest two-year rate is 5.76, which so is a bit of higher. Cheapest five-year, 5.29. But we're certainly seeing a downturn into the standard buy-to-let, certainly standard buy-to-let purchases. And is it's that just, residential or a limited code? That's just standard, a standard... Um, Sorry, personal. personal. Personal buy-to-let, yeah. You then move that into... The residential world, 75% LTV on a two-year fixed, 5.4. So you're getting over and above buy-to-let figures. I mean, that's something I, in my all my time, I don't think my memory goes with age, I'm afraid, gents, but (laughs) I don't think in all of my years that I've ever seen that before. Where residential rates are over and above, or limited company HMO buy to they've always been the, the most expensive. So that's kind of where where they are, and that's a big jump. If you if we look back, Justin, when we were talking about this last month, the cheapest two-year four point five, so nearly one percent more, big jump. So if you give if that's an indication of where the banks are going, do we think they're going to? keep going up no not at the moment not not unless there's another bank of england base rate increase which is likely possible whatever your view whatever your views are i think i would go i would go on likely and so you'll we'll probably see that i mean tracker rates people in it's not looking at tracker rates anymore they're they're slightly lower but do you want to take the risk probably not if you're a residential owner unless you've got something quirky you want to do with it Five year rates about, like I said, about half percent lower. So you can, you can get a five percent, you can get something just below the five percent mark if you want to go for five year fixed. So that's slightly, slightly better. Interesting. 95% mortgages came, came back on the market, were, but were, were, were around a lot more six months ago, three months ago, really. Now not so much. 90. If you want a two year 95% mortgage, 6.39. So that's going up. And an interesting where people were, were sitting on standard variable rate for quite a while. I just had a one standard variable rate from a specialist lender this week at, to get my figures right, I think it was 11.39 on standard wow. variable. Wow, ouch. Not
0: <laughs> something you want to sit on for too long. No, no. So we, we, yeah. we've, we've thrown lots of numbers out there and we've, as we've gone, gone through that. I wonder if perhaps we could have a, a sort of re- recap and just to to clarify which numbers relate to what things so if we start with residential home purchasing so this is this is not not vital at so not not our core core listeners but just just for reference what would be a a typical two-year and a five-year fix right a home mover so if you're moving house two-year
2: 75 remember the higher the borrowing the higher the rates but let's just presume it's, it goes to 75%. It's yeah, just yeah, for, for numbers. Yeah. Your two-year rates, residential, you're looking at 5.4%. For a five-year
0: rate, if you prefer, 494 Okay, cool. Moving on then to simple buy-to-let, in, but in a personal name. What, what are we looking at there? Purchase buy-to-let. They're the same purchase and remortgage, actually.
2: In a personal name, two-year, 576 and a 5 year
0: 5.29 fantastic okay and then so sort of stepping up again then so we're now moving into limited company and then starting with by to let again what are we looking at there right limited company by to let 2 year 5.09 and 5 year 5.35 okay and then i think the, the final step on on our ladder for today at least is hmo borrowing so again in, in a limited company but hmo
2: HMO, two-year, 5.29, and five-year, 5.6, both the same on the purchase and remortgage. So they've, both on the limited company buy sets and HMO,
0: they haven't really changed very much. No, no. It's, it's really, really interesting that, that they, they haven't sort of drifted up with everything else. All, all the rates are sort of compacted. So whereas before you had sort of a full range from residentials being just a percent or two up to HMOs being five-ish. But now everything is up there around the four or five marks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very interesting.
1: The only other question I had for you, Simon, was on HMO because like, typically when I started out, yeah, we we were looking at eighty five percent loan to values. And now, if I had the option, I wouldn't go for those now just because of the the leverage and and obviously the rates. But typically, and you mentioned sort of seventy five percent. What do you? Can you get up as high as eighty five anymore, do you think? Or is it is kind of like eighty the ceiling? Yeah, you certainly can. Where the 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 appetite for
2: it at the moment I've got to say isn't really there. I think people take the I think they take the same view as you. Do you really want to gear up leverage up that high? But yeah, rates are rates are certainly going to be higher. I don't have them to hand. But yeah, it's it's not something. Interesting enough, it's it, it was they were quite popular year or so, year plus ago. I, I would say now, but now it's it, yeah, it, people are just not don't seem to be looking at eighty five percent rate rates, and that may be because they're they're just not that popular.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a brief look actually. I mean, you know, two years is is somewhere um, around. Over 6%, so either six, six and a half, five year, actually very, very similar for those. So again, like you say, I, I think, I think most of us are just sort of stepping back from that amount of leverage for, for obvious reasons.
2: Yeah. I think the, the good, I mean, what, what will always work with HMOs and generally is the stress testing. So the stress testing on, on something like that, it will work and you can still borrow up to, to the 85%. So that's the, that's the really good. That's the attractive thing about about HMO products because the rental income is so good. You can always borrow generally what you want, and I think that that's it. I mean, I've just I've had a quick look here, and I've got one at the moment, seven point five at eighty five percent. So that's the yeah. That that's got kind of where where you're going. For, they're not as attractive. Lenders of it are clearly not not wanting to advertise and wanting to promote them at the moment. Not certain. Not an inquiry I've had for quite some time.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, just direct experience on this from my side is just, obviously, particularly with 85%, when I look at the portfolio, the, it's the equity, you know, that causes the challenge because, uh, you know, having a having a big portfolio is quite nice, you know, a, a good seven-figure portfolio. But when I look at the equity, I'm like, that concerns me when I think about interest rates. So I just wanted to, you know, share direct experience of what, why that is an issue because, Clearly, for several years ago, we'd gone for seventy-five or eighty. I feel much more confident having greater equity in the business. You know, should things transpire in the market, and you know, as we as we're seeing prices flatten out, plateau, and, and possibly decline, then then you know, we've got that we, we've got that equity in the portfolio to to work with. But actually, with a low with a high leverage portfolio, that becomes a little bit more dicey. Certainly, in my experience. Squeaky bum time, as Alex Ferguson used to call it, yeah
2: 100 percent. I think that's something we will, but my feeling is we will be talking about the latter part of the year. It will be interesting to see how how house prices go. You're right with if you have if you started off with twenty five percent equity, you'd like to think that you have enough of a buffer to ride out any storm we are possibly expecting or we will have. And I think that's with the we, we're only just seeing. I think the thing is we're only just starting to see what these higher interest rates, the issues they're causing, because people are still sitting on five-year rates. They're still in the middle. They start. They've only had them for a year or two years or three years, so they're not expiring for another two or three years. So it isn't a problem. It's someone else's problem at the moment. But believe you me, when that when it comes to that when it's, you know, I'm contacting clients six months in advance and saying, here you go, this is what you're expecting. It is a damn shock. It really is. And for some people, they're just saying, well, I can't afford it. I literally can't afford it. And if you're having, if you are in the buy-to-let market and you, you're you a small, you have a small portfolio of two or three small buy-to-lets and your rate is then going from, we were doing, you know, in a personal name of 2%, up to six, six and a half. Well, you can, you might be able to put your rent up by 25, 30 pounds a month. You can't treble it. And if you are geared up 75% at that point, people are, people are concerned and they're not then going to be plowing in thousands, hundreds, thousands of pounds in each month to, you know, to, to keep that portfolio. They'll just get rid of the property. So in that case, then what happens? They're then distressed sellers and then the property goes cheap because it's not that... People were then. I see it quite often where people, if it's your own residential property, you're quite guarded, and you want. If someone's told you it's worth five hundred thousand, you want five hundred and fifty. If it's a buy to let, and you're told it's worth five hundred, you probably take four fifty. I see it all the time. It's quite strange, really, but because you, you in the back of your mind, you think, all right, it's a business. I don't need it. I just want it off. I want the money. And then that will that will definitely, from the way I see it, that will have a knock-on effect to the market going forward. It, we need more properties in the market, without a shadow of a doubt. But do we need the distress sales, which are going to be coming over the next few years? It'll be in,
0: it's kind of watch this space because I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, I think another factor that's sort of pushing people as well is where, where presumably they, they can't even get remortgages because they they just. That the stress rates just don't, don't allow them to, to get it at all without putting new money in, which they don't want to or don't have or whatever. And, and on stress rates, what should people expect at the moment in terms of both the, the actual stress rate percentage that, that banks are using in different scenarios and, and also the rental cover requirements on top of that that banks are using? That's That's a
2: really good question, Simon, because at the moment the... The stress testing is tough, certainly in a, if you're doing it in a sole name. It's, it's really, really, really tricky. Stress testing, for the, for the listeners, you can jump online, you can find all sorts of different lenders who, who will offer different types of stress tests. But I've just put in, to give you guys and the listeners an idea, your, uh, let's say, average, but certainly in the Southeast, a £350,000 buy-to-let purchase in a sole name, I would guess... Fifteen hundred pounds a month rental would be probably a fair figure. On that, the most you can borrow is just over two hundred thousand. So you have mm-hmm. to put in a hundred and fifty thousand pounds. And of course, what do they do? The 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 lender will say, yes, you can have that, just over two hundred thousand. But you're going to on the, on a on a higher rate, and we're also going to charge you a three percent fee. So yeah, yes, yeah. we'll make it. We'll give you that that money. And then what they will then do is you can come down slightly. If you, if you want to borrow slightly less, we'll reduce the fee down. So they're, they're out there. The stress testing is what I would say is difficult in a sole name at
0: the moment. F- focusing on, on sort of sole name to start with then. What, what the what, what would be a typical percentage stress test rate? Is it, is it? sort of I think I've seen some that are about two percent above lending rate. Is it, is it that sort of level? or uh... Yeah, on this. It's usually, it usually goes uh, there's
2: a nominal rate there, that the, the lender will use and then it's somewhere it'll, or, or it will be, it'll be usually something like pay rate plus 2% or minimum seven. They will give you, give you some of that. Yeah. Like. They, they cover themselves well and truly. That's without a shadow of a doubt. And it's the only inquiries really I'm getting at the moment, a limited company by to and HMOs to a, to, a, to a degree, but I think more on the HMO
0: side is that it's just a lack of property. Yeah, yeah. On the, the sort of personal name versus limited company, am I right in thinking that one of the big differences there is the, the rental cover percentage requirement? So, so again, I, I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth or numbers in your mouth, but I think some of the ones I've seen are 125% on, on five-year products in a limited company versus 145% for five-year products in in personal name. Is, is that still holding true? Yes, very much so.
2: If you look at, well, just use a, one of the main buy-to-let players in the market, they use 165% on, in a sole name at the moment, and then 130% as limited company. Vast difference. Vast, vast difference. So you can clearly borrow a lot more more. if i then if i then put the figures in again for same product limited company you can borrow another thirty-five thousand pounds so for using the same figures but putting it in limited company name you know that's going to be for for most people that's going to be the difference between buying it and not buying it if you're interested in that market so yes i mean a lot to be said and again as we said speak to some speak to your accountant if it's something you want to do and make sure it is the correct thing for you but at the moment the the feedback i'm getting the feedback from accountants i'm getting it's the as we stand at the moment as of this date it buying you know getting new buy-to-lets purchasing new buy-to-lets it seems to be the only only way to go
0: we're we're running slightly long but just just quickly fees these days are, are sort of one percent two percent three percent maybe even more are you seeing much sort of change from from a month or so ago on the fees front or is it is it's just still looking pretty grim there's there's a certain difference
2: between residential and buy to let i think there always there always has been really residential you can on the residential side because the rates are going so up so much the lenders are very kindly they are putting out some fee free or no arrangement free products out there there will be a slightly higher rate, but it depends on the loan if they make it worthwhile. so residential is slightly different. Buy to let side. Yes. You're, you're looking at 1%, 2%, 3%, depending on what the rate is and, and how it fits. It, it, it really does. I would stress to anybody is look at your particular loan size, your loan to value and see if it makes it work. All brokers will have some analysis and we're able to look to make sure over a five-year period what the best product is for you including the fee so don't get don't necessarily get put off by a big fee and a smaller rate or a higher rate lower fee don't get attracted to one or the other ask ask to see which is the most financially viable for you over a particular period because yeah th- there are lots of options yeah, the, most lenders will will give you the option of either 1%, 2%, 3%, but they're still out there and it, some of them can be fairly scary.
1: My only comment on this before we wrap up is that yeah, I, I'm guilty, I, I would imagine, of being quite lackadaisical in the past of just looking at mortgage products, really just looking at the monthly payment rate and or interest rate and thinking, okay, that's the one that works best with my investment property however i think with the introduction of fees and the percentage rates and how that works against the loan i think it's more important than ever now to to actually sit down and take take the time out of the 30 minutes an hour to to punch that into a spreadsheet just to look at how those fees impact the loan so that's my only comment on this to anyone listening is that yeah do take time and if you don't understand speak with your broker and if it's if your broker's not simon you know still speak with your with your broker about it because I think it's more important than ever to understand the implications of those fees against the long-term lending on that. Yeah, we have, we have.
2: I mean, all brokers use a, a type of software which is then you're able to work this out over a two-year period, three-year period, five-year, 10-year, whatever the, you want it to be to include all the interest, include all the fees. You can see the overall cost. Ask for that information because it does make a difference. It's very easy. We're not hiding it away there's no need for us the brokers to hide it away it's there you can see at any point most people like you said Stuart most people have ignored it for years there's no point if we just sense it over they go what on earth is this now it's important rates are going up it makes a difference the percentage fees make a difference don't just look at the lowest rates and and, and be frightened off by you know by fees and things look at the bigger picture because it can yeah it certainly make a difference but speak to your broker and they, they've got that that information
0: to hand and if you don't have a broker or if you'd like a new broker or to explore the possibilities of a new broker simon glastonby is available and his contact details will be in the show notes so so please please do get in touch with him and i think we're, we're going to finish there so thank you very much for for joining us today simon and sharing all that fantastic knowledge and the, the latest turbulence in the market and for everyone listening stuart and i will be back again next week